I'm not sure, but glad you're here today. It's awesome to be in God's house, isn't it? He is so good. Yeah, it's awesome. We have a prayer ride after church here, so we got to run over to the Gospel Rescue Mission right afterwards. So if you, um, if you need, if you were thinking I was going to counsel you today, it's, I'm not. Just so you know, so spend some time with Jesus at the altar because I'm leaving and he loves you and it's all going to be good, okay? I don't mean that's not sarcasm or anything. I just want you to know as we're doing this, God is so amazing and he is doing such good stuff. I want to give you a report of a couple weeks ago and again, I'll do the, and I'm not going to do uh, announcements and stuff, but just to tell you that, you know, I told you in a few weeks that I'd be able to announce to you that the funds were there to do all the projects that we did and it happened just like God always does and you probably already know that by reading your bulletin. Uh, that was in there, a little breakdown of it, which I'm not doing. All I'm going to tell you is God's good. He's amazing. You've been faithful. He's faithful. Thank you. God bless you. Yes. And thank you for joining us online as well as in the house. Are you ready to have God rock your world? Yeah. I am too, and he'll do it. So as we look in God's word, we're going to look at what it says to us today. As it always does, the word of God's amazing. For the word of God is alive and powerful. Church, God's word is the Bible. It's been given to us. We talk about preaching being God's word, being sent in message. But if the message of the preacher, the prophet, the teacher doesn't come from the word of God, it does not have power and it means nothing. The word of God is alive and powerful. It is where the power of God is made available to you and I as we see what God has to say. When God speaks, stuff happens. You do know that, right? In the beginning, God, and then he just said it, and things began to come together. I am a fascination person of space. You know that. I watch all that stuff, and I laugh all the time at archaeologists, scientists, as they look out into space and in the ocean, and they're looking for answers. Church. He is the answer. They can log all they want, but they're not going to find anything other than God because he is the creator of all things. He is all-powerful, and he is the one. And I'm so glad I know him. I'm smarter than all of them. So are you, for real. God says so. They become so wrapped up in their self, they become foolish. All we have to do is look at what God says, and it's right there for us. And this is what he tells us, church. We need to pay attention to God. The word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. This is why... We are encouraged, challenged, and the Word of God says that we need to expose ourselves to the Word of God. Daily, we should be spending time in the Bible, allowing the Word of God to penetrate us, to expose ourselves to us. Church, as we look at what God sees in the Word, what He says in the Word for me and you, I want you to know that the reason we spend time in God's Word is so that we can see what God already knows. You follow that? It's so that we can see what God already knows. So what God does is through the word of God, which is right here in my iPad, uh, is what God does is he reveals to me what is going on in my life that needs to change, surrender, repent, 
Whatever needs to happen between me and God, God's word reveals it to me so that I can be right with him. God already knows it. The word of God says we're naked and exposed before him. So using an illustration that we all are very well aware of as you go into the airport to go and take a flight, you're going to step into a security line and they're going to tell you, get everything off and put it in this box because everything you have outside of you is going in there and we're going to look at that. And now we want you to step in. There's little fig prints there, you know. You step up in that place. Put your hands up like this. And when you're standing there, the little machine goes, and it's completely x-raying everything about you. In that moment, nothing hidden. Sorry, I know that kind of freaks you out maybe a little bit, but I just want you to know, there is nothing hidden. Everything that you had with you is being looked over, Everything on you is being looked over. Everything about you is being looked over. This is what God's word is telling us. The word of God is saying, when you expose yourself to the word of God, this is what's going on. You're stepping in and God's like, you got something right here that needs to change. Right? Hey, we got something over here in the box that you can't take with you. This is God. It's his rules. Church, when we look into the word of God and we see this God saying, I am taking you places you can't go on your own. And so as we step into that moment where God has the opportunity to reveal to us what he already sees, the Holy Spirit gives us a glimpse of that screen through the word of God. It's like, I'm available, I'm vulnerable, here I am. And then the Holy Spirit says, this is the deal. This is who you are. This is where it's at. And the good news is God doesn't just like give you the full view of how much you're not like Christ. He only shows you the little bit that needs to change so that you become more like Christ. That's why the monitor's hidden over there. If we all saw the whole thing, we'd all get depressed and walk home, right? (laughs) All right? So I'm saying the Holy Spirit is faithful. God is good. He's not like, oh, it's a failure. You're done. Man, you're all messed up. No, he just says, here's what you need to see because this is what I'm putting my finger on so that you can become more like Christ today. Amen? That's the way God works. So the word of God says this. So church, we have a lot of, um, we definitely want to embrace the recovery programs. I believe in recovery. I believe in what God's done for me and that he is the only source of full recovery. Uh, But we have programs to help people in recovery. So as we look at that and we think about this, um, we all know people that are addicts if we weren't one ourselves. And so when you deal with an addict, you know that it doesn't matter what kind of programs are available, what kind of stuff's there, what kind of help is there until that individual sees they need to change and they want to change. Nothing's going to happen in their life. They're not going to change. We can capture them, place them in a recovery program, but until their heart is ready to embrace the need of change and know they need to change, they're not going to change. And you're going to release them on the streets, they're going back to who they were. We have all seen that, right? Church, seriously. So here's what we look at and we think about this. As we look as believers, we have to be willing to see ourselves the way God does. And a lot of times as Christians, we don't want to see the way God sees. We want to look at ourselves the way we want to view ourselves, not the way he sees us. 
And oftentimes what that translates into is I'm going to go over here and I want to compare myself to Rainbow because I'm way more comfortable comparing myself to Rainbow than to Jesus. So then I'd rather look at what I see that I feel good about myself rather than seeing what God sees to say like, whoa, I haven't arrived. I need to change. Because I said in the last service, I'm going to say it right now, and even online, I can't see you. But I'm telling you right now, as I look around the church, I don't see Jesus sitting here. Right? Okay, then we are in the process of becoming Christ-like as believers, and therefore there is something that God is trying to reveal right now in our lives, saying, hey, this needs to change. And I'm showing you right now, here's the spot. Because this is not Christ-like. And God doesn't like it. So he's trying to help us. So we have to be willing, right? Just like we teach in recovery programs, we have to be willing to see what's wrong to allow God to correct it and make it right. Are you willing, church, to see it, confess it, and let God do his work? All right, so three of you are in. The rest of y'all should just like... Maybe listen now, all right? There is coffee over there they're sleeping, but... All right, so let's move on. When the Holy Spirit reveals something in our life, what's the purpose? I'm asking. I mean, what's he doing, man? He's like, hey, I'm telling you something. And we're like, wait, yeah, but uh, Rainbow does that. <laughs> Have you seen her? You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, what are we doing that for? I'm going into the word of God. I'm hearing God's presence in his house. Like, here I am. If I'm not like here I am, then why are we here? Holy Spirit, convict, reveal. Let us see it. And he's not here to shame us and say, yeah, you definitely don't measure up. All right, he's not like that. That's not what he's doing. He's not trying to make us feel guilty. See, the Holy Spirit's here to convict so that we change. Not just exposing our brokenness. God desires to heal it. So it's not like just, uh, hey, this is a moment of uncomfortable exposure. It's like, will you allow yourself to be seen by you so that you can be healed? See, that's a beautiful thing. It's not a bad thing. But there's this vulnerability that has to take place for us to allow ourselves to be seen by us. And so when we stop hiding the brokenness or ignoring it or acting like it's not there, we need to invite God into that brokenness so that he can heal it. This is what Jesus taught us by the Holy Spirit and the work that he was going to do when he came. We have read these verses over and over again in John 16. But church, it's important that we listen to it. Jesus is doing this teaching. Now I am going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. None of us like change. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Threefold conviction. Now, we're only dealing with the conviction of the Holy Spirit, not the full work of the Holy Spirit. But church, Jesus tells us very clearly there is a threefold conviction of the Holy Spirit. Conviction of sin, righteousness, and coming judgment. 
Jesus goes on and elaborates on it a little bit. Let's see what he says. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. This is why I say there's no such thing as an atheist. They have refused to believe in God. Jesus said so. And so in their ignorance and in their rejection of God, they say there is no God, and they convince themselves to believe that he's not there, but they just simply refuse. So Jesus is saying conviction has fallen over the entire world. Everyone has felt conviction of sin. Have you felt conviction of sin? All right, everybody has. Those of you that have received Christ as your Savior, the only reason why you've received Christ as your Savior is because you've been convicted by the Holy Spirit of your sin and you've recognized that you need a Savior and it's Jesus. Thank you, God. So as we look at that, then Jesus goes on in the next thing. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. That's a celebration moment. The devil is going to hell. He is going to hell, and God's already pronounced that judgment. And I praise God. That enemy is getting out of here, man. It's awesome. So we're all clear of the conviction of sin. I hope we are. And if you're not, we'll just do a little bit of clarity for that for just in case someone's here or listening online that doesn't know Jesus as your Savior yet. And maybe you're just like uncomfortable right now. You should be uncomfortable. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, thank God you're uncomfortable. That's called conviction, and God is saying what you're hearing is truth, and you need Jesus. And if you're in this room, and you don't have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you need the Savior, and the uncomfortableness you feel is that conviction from God, the Holy Spirit calling you to Jesus. And if you know Jesus as your Savior, it's only because you felt that conviction of the Holy Spirit, and God has called you, and you've responded. So we know this is the conviction of sin. But church, Jesus talked about a threefold conviction of the Holy Spirit. And the believer, those who have said yes to Jesus, repented of their sins, following God's lead, indwelled the Holy Spirit within us. Listen, church, here's the thing that we have screwed up terribly. Believers need to deal with the conviction of righteousness. All right? The conviction of that leads us to live the life that Jesus said is available. Please hear it. Victorious living. Living righteous. Now, not many people are going to come up and say, hey, how you doing? I'm Dave. I live a righteous life. Because if you did, you'd be like, dude, you need to get away from me. (laughs) You know, kind of freak you out a little bit. However, in our walk with God, we in the Christian community definitely need to embrace and own the righteous life that God himself has provided for us through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And instead, what I hear too often by Christians, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. We are owning the sin that owned us and we're only owning the grace. Please hear that right. We need to embrace that we have a new life. I mean, come on. If Jesus gave us this righteous life that is available only because of what he did for us by living by God's truth, then shouldn't we embrace that rather than the sin that owned us? So stop saying I'm just a sinner saved by grace and let's own the righteousness that God has given to us and I am a new person. I'm a new creation. I'm not that old person and sin doesn't own me. 
Stop declaring sins hold. Christ has defeated sin in the flesh. All right. So when we hear that, righteous living, righteousness is available, we sink back, and a lot of times people say this to me, and some of you have. I love you. Just listen. All right. Well, I'm not perfect. I'm trying. I'm doing the best I can. Well, you know, God knows who I am. You know, you hear all those words? You, you following me? What we're doing is we're making excuses for things we know are wrong in our life and we haven't done anything about them. Let's be real. Let's be honest because, see, we're already naked before God. He sees us the way we are. And so why are we trying to justify our brokenness instead of coming to him for the wholeness that he has available to us? Why would we own that and proclaim that to someone else when we've been given this by God? Here it is. Jesus said, righteousness is available. Available. Okay, hear that. He said the Holy Spirit is going to come and convict that righteousness of God is available. That means we have to receive it, right? It's, avail it's here. It's here. It's available. So we've got to either take it or not. Receive it or not. So the righteousness that is available is the Holy Spirit convicting us about what needs to change in our life so that we are more Christ-like. So we go back into the Greek again, looking at the Greek words of the New Testament, because that's what is written in Greek and Aramaic. Again, we just look it up. I'm not a Greek scholar, so just stay with me. Listen to what that word means. It's so cool. It's the state of one who is as they ought to be. That's what righteousness is. The state of one who is as they ought to be. So now think about that. Now Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is going to convict of God's righteousness. So the Holy Spirit is convicting us to be in that place of where we ought to be. Make sense? Good with it? All right, so like we've put this negative connotation on righteousness and holiness because we see God as righteous and holy and I see myself as not. But then the Holy Spirit says, it's available. Come and get it. But we've got to take it. We've got to surrender to it. We've got to receive what God has for us. So let's look at that word a little deeper for a minute, righteousness, and see what the word of God says about it as we look into the Greek language and see what it says. Listen, those who are in righteousness reveal, here's what the word says, integrity, virtue, purity of life, rightness, correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. All of that is righteousness. Not some of that. All of that. So let's stop. Jesus knew what he was saying. Don't you think? And when he said, the Holy Spirit's coming to convict the righteousness of God in that, so he's saying this is what's now available. So what's available for you and I is integrity, virtue, purity of life, rightness, correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. Oh, you mean we can live like Christ. This is all making sense now, except that it's scary. 
Because now we're like, well, I'm not. Well, why aren't we? It's because we're not re- reacting to the conviction the way God has called us to. See, conviction comes so that I can surrender. That's the whole point of it. Corre- correction, conviction is bringing me to a place to surrender that I might be less of me and more like Christ so that I might be righteous in my life and righteous before God and righteous before human beings. Okay, so I know it's uncomfortable, but let's keep moving. We cannot any longer make excuses and immediately pull out our mercy and grace card when the Holy Spirit convicts us and we know something's wrong in our life. This is what all of us as Christians want to do immediately. That's why when, let's just say I ask someone like, well, how's your walk with Jesus? I'm trying. <laughs> all right, that's kind of reaching for that pocket. Like, thank God for mercy and grace. Let me have you the, hand you this right now. That's where I'm standing. Okay, but church, like, mercy and grace are available and they're real. It's the only reason why you and I are still here. Amen. Mercy and grace. But listen, the conviction of the Holy Spirit to righteous living isn't for us to just continually remind God that he's giving mercy and grace. No, because that day is coming to an end. The Holy Spirit's also calling us to the point of understanding there is a day of judgment. And the Holy Spirit's like, I'm calling you to live a righteous life and it's available. So you can pull that card all you want to. But the reason why the Spirit of God is convicting is so that we stop relying on our own self and stop owning what's happened instead of living in the present and knowing where God's leading us. And so God is leading us into a righteous life. We have to be willing to allow the word of God and the Holy Spirit to reveal what God sees in us already. Are you willing to be exposed to yourself by God? So as we're looking at the word, it's another surrender, trust, and obey moment which you already knew you're going to probably hear those three words. You probably will for the rest of your life as long as you're here. All right? Because the, moment, the truth is that God is constantly calling us to that surrender, trust, obey moment where I surrender to what he's showing me, telling me, or calling me to. I'm trusting him in it no matter what it looks like or feels like right now. And then I'm going to act in obedience to whatever he's saying. That's righteous living. That's living God's way. That means that I trust God in my current situation no matter what it looks like, feels like, or what I'm being exposed to. I trust Him. Therefore, I will live in full obedience to what He says. That's righteous living. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, it's not that hard then. Okay, church. We're going to read some verses today that many in the church don't think are possible for us. I've had conversations with people that say they're Christians, and I'm not saying they're not. I'm saying they proclaim they are Christians, but they say we can't live that way. And we're not going to be able to live righteously until we get to heaven. But I'm going to read some verses today that are right in God's word to show us that that's not true, that you can. Are you ready? Okay, so as we address what God says to us, we're going to go into the Old Testament. Now, what's cool about the Old Testament is it's before Jesus died. It's before he defeated sin in the flesh. It's before he conquered death. It's before the Holy Spirit came to live in the heart of believers. Following me? So the Old Testament people followed God's ways by disciplining their own flesh to live it. All right. 
That's, that's heavy right there, but let's listen to what God's Word says. And it is believed by most Bible scholars that Job is the oldest book as far as content in the Bible. Like it was written before any of the other books were written. Okay, but that's irrelevant. Let's just stay with it. It's important, though, that we see that this is talking about a man who lived for God. And here's what God's Word says. There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. Okay. So we want to be very clear about what God's word just said to us. This statement about this guy is saying that Job lived a righteous life. He lived for God, period. He did not give in to evil. He did not sin. You can tell me that's crazy if you want, but stay with me because God's going to make this declaration over this dude. Check it out. It's amazing. We want to know that who wrote this? Did Job write it? No. Did his mom write it? Nope. Is she the one that said this? No, church. It was God himself that made this declaration about this guy named Job. In the word, as you read in Job chapter 1, it says this. One day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser Satan came with them. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, Have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and he stays away from evil. Church, this is God talking and he's talking directly to the devil. I love this. Look what the word of God does. Remember we're talking about how we stand naked before God and exposes things. Here's what God is doing for you and I and why we need to stay in the word of God. We are given a glimpse behind the curtain into the spirit world by God himself revealing something to you and I. And what he is telling us is this. There is a battle raging behind the scenes and there is a real enemy that's out here in the world. And God's like, Hey, I know my people. And God was bragging about Job to the devil. Have you checked out my boy Job? He's bragging about him. He's saying there's nobody on the entire planet like that guy. Blameless, complete integrity, and he stays away from evil. Isn't that awesome? This is God's perspective. Pre-Jesus. Don't ever forget that. So as we listen to this, then it's clear. Living a righteous life is not only possible, but it's been done by human beings before us. And here we are in the church of Jesus Christ today, having experienced what none of them experienced. Forgiveness of sin. The power of God in our life. The indwelling Holy Spirit. God living inside of us. We in the church today, and we're not even owning the life that Job lived. Is that conviction settling over, or are we just quiet because it's like, whoa, dude, I never thought about that. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, 
Thank you, Lord. So as we look at this, it's like God's saying something to us here today. He's like, hey, guys, um, I know you. The enemy knows you. Your life and how you live it matters. And God knows how we live our life. And the Holy Spirit is convicting us of righteousness so that God can say, that's my boy Dave. Have you seen him? (laughs) I want God to be able to brag about me. I don't want him to point out someone else because he doesn't want the devil to talk about me with him. I want to just be standing there and God being, there's my boy right there. Throughout my Christian walk, when I read this, I was like, God, I want you to be able to say, I told you so to the devil about my life. No matter what comes my way, God, I want you to always be able to say, told you so. I knew he'd be right with me, and he's going to trust me through it. It is a goal of my life to always be able to let God say that. Church, step into the fullness of God. Look at what he's showing us right now. There is a righteous life that is available by God to you and I. But that righteous life doesn't mean that we're not going to deal with problems. Okay? We're going to have tragedies. We're going to have health problems. And death is going to get us no matter what. Unless Jesus comes back. You know that. But what I'm saying is is that because we live righteously doesn't remove us from the reality of the world around us. So let's go back to Job for a minute, and we're just going to glimpse into a little bit more of his story. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabians raided us, they stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and your daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home. Suddenly, a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed, and all of your children are dead. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Okay, so we're just going to pause for a minute and remember who we're talking about. We're talking about Job, the righteous one, the man of integrity, the one who stayed away from evil. Every single thing in his life collapsed in one moment. Everything. Job had gotten up like every other day in his life. If you read this story of Job, he got up, he prayed, he prayed over his family, he worshiped God, he did everything according to the way that God wanted him to do it. And this day was no different. It wasn't like Job was like taking a spiritual break or not doing the things God asked him. No, he was doing what God wanted him to do. He was living a righteous life. 
And in the midst of that righteous life, everything in his world collapsed. He lost all of his financial stuff, all of his material possessions, and then his own family. It's crazy, isn't it? Okay. Do you still want to complain about your bad day? You know, it's crazy how many of us are whining to God about a bad day and how he ought to change things and make things different for us. And we're just like, it shouldn't be happening to me. I'm walking with you. I'm trusting you. Things ought to be better than they are. Listen to what happened to this guy who did not even have the Holy Spirit inside of him, who was just living for God. I don't mean just. You hear what I'm saying? He was like, I'm doing it God's way. I'm committed. And everything in his life collapsed in one day, in a moment. Put yourself in that situation here in the message. This is done. Oh, this is done. This is done. Hey, guess what? While you were in church, someone stole your car to the parking lot. Oh, you hear that? And you're like, what? How could that happen? I'm at church. And then as soon as that happened, somebody comes and said, hey, there was a fire down there and your home just burned up while you were at church. It's like, what? Hey, a tragedy happened. You put your kids in the nursery over there and something happened and the entire building collapsed and your child was killed. Church, I'm putting this into reality. And then, oh, all this is going down right now. Like, everything's gone? Oh, by the way, the, uh, the economy just completely collapsed. There's a run in the banks. They're done. Everything's over. Okay. So here we are. We're looking at this and we're saying, like, ooh, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Why would that happen when there's evil people in the world and they're living good? And I'm living right. All this stuff happens to me. Well, this is again why you and I need to be in God's word because what God's showing us, he's like pulling the curtains back and say, hey, everybody, there's more going on than just in your own personal little cubicle. <laughs> there's a whole lot of stuff happening. And as we do this and we look at what God does, he's saying like, I want you to know there's a spiritual battle raging and there's a real devil and he wants you to die. And he wants you destroyed. And God's like, when you're my kids, I've got you. Now, while we watch behind the scenes of this activities, Job did not have the advantage that you and I do today. See, the word of God is alive and powerful to us. And it's right there to show us. So I'm reading this story and I'm like, oh, so bad things can happen even when you live right for God right? Hello, pull the curtain back. Let's see this. Wait a minute. There's a spiritual thing that's happening between the forces of evil and the forces of good. Oh, I'm involved in that. God's word's showing us. This isn't just the only, the tangible physical world you and I see is not the only world that exists. There's that spirit world that's so real. And now we're pulling this curtain back and we're looking at this righteous guy that God's like, he's my man. I got him right here. He is the man. And now as we look at this, we're going to look at something here that will challenge you and I and hopefully that Holy Spirit conviction will settle down where it needs to be inside of us. Job did not know why. 
Job wasn't warned. God didn't say, hey, Job, tomorrow things are going to go bad. No, it just happened out of nowhere. So as we look at that, we're looking into the scripture again and see like, man, after all the messages came, what is Job's response to this? In Job chapter 1, verse 20, it says this. Job stood up, tore his robe in grief, shaved his head, and fell to the ground to worship. Is that your response to crisis, church? You see this guy that God's like, he's the man. All hell had just broken loose in his life. He didn't get angry at God and tell him off. Why did you do this to me? Where were you at? Why am I serving you if this is the way things go? No, the word of God says he stood up tore his robe in grief, shaved his head, fell to the ground to worship, and he said, these are the words that came out of his mouth. You ready? I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had. The Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Now listen to this last statement in this. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. So I look at that and I'm like, wow, man, that is some crazy stuff right there. That's amazing stuff. Because what I see is blaming God for crisis is a sin. I'm not reading into anything, am I? That's what it just said to us. He did not sin because he didn't blame God for the problem. He didn't blame God for the crisis, for the events, for any of the stuff that's going on. He didn't blame God. Instead, he looked to God and said, I worship you because I know who you are, and it's beyond all of this. You are God, and I serve you, and I worship you no matter what happens right now, no matter where I am, no matter what they're experiencing, no matter what is going on around me. You're God. I worship you. Did he feel pain? Was he struggling in the midst of it all? Was he mourning a loss? Was he broken? Yes, yes, and yes, he was. He did all of that. The word of God says so. Did he have emotions? Yes. He tore his robes in grief. He shaved his head, a sign of mourning. See, the righteousness of Job is seen and is not blaming God, but trusting God. Has continual worship of God in the good and the bad through it all. Now, church, as we look at this, you see, there's a realization that needs to come to us. The realization that the relationship with God is more than the crisis. It's more than life itself. The realization that life is coming to an end and that everything here is going to be left behind. Everyone here is going to be left behind. Righteous living is understanding that all I am is who God is and who he says I am. And all the stuff around me is here today and gone tomorrow. And I'm leaving this place with none of it except who I trust. So as we look at this, God's like a church. Look at this. See, the crisis you and I face in our life reveal to us where we are. God already knows hear that? 
the crises of life reveal to us where we are. God already knows. So as we consider that then, whatever situation you find yourself, you can find yourself in two different places. You can be where God has led you, or you can be where you led yourself. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, if you're where God led you, victory is there. If you're where you led yourself, the feet is waiting. Because when we try and do it over here, and we just take the control, and I'm saying I'm doing it this way, and I don't follow God's ways, that's me being in charge, that's me being God, and it's me rejecting Him. So when you find yourself today in a crisis, how did you get there? How did you get there? If it was that the Spirit of God has led you, then just worship Him. Praise God in the moment, no matter what that crisis is. Celebrate the God you serve. You're going to feel hurt. You are going to feel brokenness. You are going to go through tragedy, church. That happens to us in this world because sin is all around us. But if we're right here where God has led us, then celebrate and worship Him. If you are where you led yourself, retreat to wherever God is. Get out of that place. If you put yourself in a crisis, get out of that crisis by running to God. And church, no matter where we find ourselves today, God's available. All we have to do is begin to worship Him in the moment where we are, get to where He's taking us and leading us by the power of the Holy Spirit and see what God wants to do in our life today. All right, we're on our action steps, but they're different than normal. Okay, we're committed to change, just so you know. All right, my first question is always the same. Have you personally received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in your life? Are you living a new life? Okay. I'm going to read some scripture to you from Job right now. Are you ready? Satan replied to the Lord. This is after, you know, God was bragging on Job to Satan. He's like, did you check him out? He's amazing. Here's Satan's reply. Yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. You've always put a wall of protection around him in his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Before I read that next part, just let's pause on that part for a second. God had a hedge of protection around Job. He had him, right? That's what it says. And because Job was living for God, God was involved in everything he did, and God was blessing it because Job was living righteously. So Satan was only looking over the wall. I see that guy, but he couldn't get in. And so Satan says to, to God, like, if you let me get inside that wall, your protection, your barriers that you've put up around him, his property, his kids... He's not going to stay faithful. So there's a couple things you and I need to get out of that. God has us, church. When we're living for God, he's got a hedge around us. He does. All right? 
And the only thing coming inside those walls, those boundaries, those barriers of God are the things God allows. And if God allows it, he has confidence that you and I are going to stay the course with him and stay inside that boundary of God and serve him and praise him and live a righteous life. Amen? I mean, that's what it shows us. The enemy does not have full reign over you. I get tired of Christians that talk about how the devil's giving them a hard time. There's two reasons for that. Either you have stepped into his arena or you're where God wants you and God's allowed him in the arena. And if God's allowed him in your arena, it's because God says he's going to take you out. Talking to the devil, right? He's telling you are going to take the devil out because you're going to stand with God. So if God lets him in, then you're good for it. Why not praise God in the midst of the battle? If where you're not supposed to be, sorry, you're going to get whooped on. Get your butt back where you belong, in the place where God has called you. God has his people. He says so. He's showing us this. Now, this is what God says back to Satan when Satan's like, let me in the wall, let me in, let me in. He's like, okay, check it out. Listen, all right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Go ahead. I know my man, Job. You know God knows you. He knows me. We're exposed and naked before him. The word of God says that. It's like God knows everything about us. And therefore, he's like, I know what battles they can fight. I know where they will stand true. I know where they have their faith. I know they will praise me. God knows that. So here's your action steps. Is God able to brag about your life to the devil? Oh, Lord. Is God trusting you and your righteousness in the crisis of the moment? Church, you're either where he wants you or you're not. You're either doing what he wants or you're not, right? I mean, it's like, it's that simple. And today the Holy Spirit is like pulling back the curtains and he's putting us in that little x-ray booth and he's like, here we are. Do you really trust me? Do you with your life? Church, the altar's open. Those of you that are online, it's open to you. You don't have to physically be in the church in this moment to come to God, but we need to come to God. We need him. He's calling. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Oh, Lord, you're already doing what you said you'd do. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, would you uh, be respectful of those that are praying here? And if you want to join them, please do. When you leave today, walk out in confidence in the God that you serve, that he's got you and that he loves you. 
and that you are in right standing with him and therefore you are a righteous man or woman of God. Let's go live it. Amen. You're dismissed. But again, be mindful of those that are praying and you can join them. God bless you, church. Thanks for being here today.